This show is brought to you by Safety FM. Welcome to Unapologetically Bold, I'm Not Sorry For. If you are a person that is tired of apologizing for being you, you know, the human part of you that sometimes feels like it has to be different at home versus work versus play, the human side that just wants to be hot, humble, open, and transparent about your wants, desires, and uniqueness. If you answered yes, this is for you. Join me, Emily Elrod, as I dive into conversations with amazing guests about what they are not sorry for in creative and loving ways. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Unapologetically Bold. I'm not sorry for. And I'm so blessed today to have one of my good friends with me, Dennis. Welcome, Dennis. Emily, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to uh, to be with you uh, this morning. It is going to be a, such a fun conversation. So before we go into it, I would love for you to tell the audience a little bit about yourself and who you are. Sure. Uh, I think first and foremost, um, I'm a husband uh, and I'm a, I'm a dog dad. Um, and, uh, and I'm also a retired military officer uh, who's now a, a performance and uh, transition coach. And I like to say I'm a, I'm a mentor, uh, I'm a friend, and I'm an advisor. Oh, I love and it. And I'm a struggling triathlete. <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> um, there's a lot there. Um, but I appreciate you coming on. And we're just going to dive into this because sure. it's I'm excited for people to hear your story, hear about you and the more that you do. Uh, but the show's called Unapologetically Bold. So, Dennis? What are you no longer apologizing for? Yeah, I, I'm not sorry for asking for help. Um, and what, is, what does it really look like, Emily? Well, if, if you rewind the clock about seven years, um, I, was, I was on the top of my, my career, uh, my previous career as a military officer. I was, I was a worship captain. And um, we were on a national tasking mission supporting the 2014 Sochi Olympics. And imagine yourself being close enough to the Russian coast that you could see the Olympic torch uh, in the foreground of the Sochi mountains. Uh, close enough that uh, the Russians were interested that you were there and uh, close enough that everything that you were doing was being briefed to the highest levels of our civilian and military chain of command. So you were on top of the mountain professionally. Uh, and then you fast forward about a day or so, and um, we sailed across the Black Sea to, to refuel in a harbor. Uh, and upon entering the harbor, we had a mishap. Uh, we ran aground and we damaged our propeller and we were deemed non-mission capable during a time of heightened tensions in the Black Sea. And so in the matter of about 24 hours, I went from being on the highest mountain, personally and professionally, to being in the lowest valley, personally and professionally. And that valley really lasted probably for about a year and a half or so. Um, but the reason it didn't last 
uh, and I'm able to say, hey, I, I know what success looks like. I know what success feels like. I know what it takes to be successful, but I also know what it feels like to fail. But I know what it takes not to be a failure because I asked for help. I asked for support and I surrounded myself with people who challenged me to be better today than I was yesterday. That's so important. So impactful, too, because I think there's so many things I can take from that. One being the aspect that some people don't allow for that failure aspect. It's going to happen. We can't be perfect. Unfortunately, yours was on a national stage and the whole world knew about your mishap, which makes it even more of a gut punch. But I think it even shows more that you can come back from it. So I want to dive in deeper about learning not to or embracing the failure, but learning to grow from it. Um, How did that help you? Like what were some of the big life lessons that you gained from or maybe stories that came from whenever you're in that valley? Because sometimes I feel like we're so low that we can't even hear. We're so stressed out. We're so down on ourselves. It's like we're depressed. Literally, we can get very depressed from it. So I'd love to understand more about your story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I didn't get all the way there. Uh, However, I like to say that the cool part about rock bottom is that it provides one of the strongest foundations to launch forward in a positive direction. Uh, And when you fail and you take that opportunity, you have a growth mindset. You say, you know what, what did I learn from this? That's actually resilience. Now, resilience isn't about just bouncing back to where you were before. Resilience is about you know bouncing forward and being a better version of yourself because of that adversity, because of that challenge, and moving in a positive direction. And uh, part of that is uh, you know writing a book about it. I wrote mm-hmm. Transition on Purpose, and uh, part of that book talks about resilience or your resilience toolkit. Um, And it incorporates four things, mindfulness and mental health, physical health and wellness, social wellness. I call it I call it your tribe and then your purpose, your why. And, uh, you know, I've had the ability to talk about that, what it takes to live a resilient life and what that really looks like and what that feels like and how you can go from where you're at to where you want to go and be energized by the process. And that's so powerful too, that you can be energized from it. That That's a point that a lot of people don't see. They feel like it could just deplete you, which you can. I'm not going to lie. Like the ups and downs in my life, it's a, it's an energy battle going. It's not like it's always a high, high, and then, um, but it's not always a low, low. It's an up and down process. So what are some things like what would you invite people to understand deeper about resiliency? What we say, it's not just like you said, not just bouncing back, but it's bouncing back for the better. What would you what advice or things that you've learned to do to cope almost with it, with the learning process, with the growth mindset, with the patience that you have to have through it all? Yeah. And uh, so, Emily, I've been in the coaching space now in, in the performance in transition coaching space for about four and a half years. And you know, I thought I was the only one that dealt with what, I, what I've dealt with, but it's not true. And I've noticed you know, five big trends um, that I think are useful to talk about. 
One is you know, the lack of self-awareness, a lack of self-awareness around what really matters, right? And what really matters is values, your values, your priorities, and your expectations. Um, the other piece or the other pieces are really confusion about the difference between change and transition. And mm. change is what happens to us. It's that external force that requires us to think differently, behave differently, and do life differently. Mm -hmm. And thinking differently, behaving differently, and doing life differently, that's transition. So the difference between change and transition um, was a huge you know, aha moment for me and understanding that change is what happens to us. Transition is what happens for us. Mm. And uh, the other is a misunderstanding of perseverance or endurance versus resilience. Mm -hmm. And I know that I had that confused. And my experience has allowed me to see the difference. Perseverance is the ability to keep going regardless of of the obstacles and the challenges. Uh, and resilience is part perseverance, but also part awareness and self-management to understand mm -hmm. where you're at, to understand, you talked about the battery level, to really see where our, our internal batteries are in terms of our mental health, our mindfulness our physical health and wellness, our social wellness, and then our spiritual wellness in terms of our drive and knowing when we have to plug into them, whether mm -hmm. I need some mindfulness, <laughs> I need some wellness, I need some social connection. You know what? I need a little dose of drive and commitment. So I need, so I have the grit to keep moving. And then because of all of that confusion and misunderstanding, there's really an inability to self-manage, mm -hmm. to say, what do I need to do on a daily basis, weekly basis to be the best version of myself? And then finally, and it's what I'm not sorry for, there's a fear to ask for support, right? Because we allow our ego to get in the front seat and start driving the car. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was guilty of that. And it wasn't until, you know, I said, hey, you know what? I can't do this by myself. All right, Mr. Ego, guess what? Jump in the backseat because I actually want to move in a positive direction and I want to get there faster. So let me get out of my own way for a minute. Mm, it's so important. I'd love to know like the first time that you asked for help, not only did you how you felt in that situation, but I'm assuming that there was a good outcome from it. Like, I feel like every time you, you sometimes, I don't know. I'm going to go from the experience of mine. Anytime I ask for help, people are usually willing to help, you know, but it's that fear going for it. But how did it impact you? Well, it's really interesting because the first time I needed help, I actually didn't have to ask for it. And, and what do I mean by that? You know, when all of that stuff happened um, over, over in the Black Sea region, I had a, one, of my, one of my really good friends, someone who's part of what I call my QRF, my quick reaction force. You know, that group of five to 10 people in our life that we could call no matter the time, no matter the day, no matter the topic. And they're going to come. Well, when he heard about what happened, 
he called my wife and said, hey, I've got a passport. I know somebody in that embassy. Does Dennis need me to be there? So I had that support. I, I didn't need it at the time. Um, so, so that would be one. And then, funny enough, I knew I needed a sense of, of connection. Because mm -hmm. I lost that. I really felt that even though they did exactly what they were supposed to do in terms of holding me accountable and responsible for what happened to my team, um, I didn't feel the connection to the organization. And I had someone who was a chapter captain for a mm -hmm. national nonprofit called Team Red, White, and Blue. And we talked and I got involved with, with that organization. And it's really pretty funny because we actually had met several years before. And we met when I was an instructor at, at the Naval Academy. And she was a soccer player. And I got the opportunity to talk to the soccer team before one of their games. Um, and I got invited by one of the players as, hey, you know what? Here's my leadership instructor. Uh, I'd love for him to talk to us about motivation and, and all that stuff. To be honest, and like, I have no idea what I said that day. However, I guess it was impactful enough for her to remember me. And, uh, and then I got involved with Team Red, White, and Blue, ultimately became the chapter captain for Jacksonville, Florida, and then went on to be a, a leadership fellow for the Southeast region of Team Red, White, and Blue. And it gave me that sense of connection mm -hmm. that I needed to keep moving in a positive direction. I think that's so important both times too, because it makes me reflect back on whenever I had my child out of wedlock, like I wasn't capable at that moment to even take care of myself nor my son literally about died. So my health literally couldn't take care. And there, and I love that you call it what your quick response team or whatever you quick, quick reaction force. It's a military term. Uh, yes. And I was, I was in the Navy and I was on surface ships and we actually had two types of, of quick reaction forces. One was for firefighting and, and damage control. And the other was for physical security. So that whole QRF concept was, was part of my professional life and having it part of my personal life was absolutely a game changer for me. Oh, and I could see things going from there too. that in the quick reaction force for firefighting and damage control, that one is very important with how the body works and, and that's your stress management. Um, but whenever you're, you're stressed in um, theory, it can go you to fight, flight or freeze. But actually that same response can actually go to innovation and collaboration and it can allow you to be actually greater from it. But yeah. then on the reverse, the other team, which is with your safety, you literally have something called the safety copy your body, which is serotonin. And so I could see on both sides of that, bringing it back, my nerdy self back to human, how humans are <laughs> work, that those, those are very beneficial for everyone to have. Oh, absolutely. And 
the reason I say is because it's in its essence, it may sound like a reactive, but it's actually proactive. You're actually be readying yourself with the right geniuses, the right people around you that you know that can do the job when, where, and how. Yep. I, I absolutely believe that a rising tide raises all boats. Mm-hmm. Uh, so surrounding yourself with, with amazing people who are going to challenge you to be the best version of yourself and you doing that for others is absolutely part of a resilient lifestyle. Yeah, and that, that's important to know, too, is that the the power of people, literally, if we're going to continue to go into the human science of it, oxytocin, which is the connection and bonding that you literally, like, we literally are designed, our human bodies are designed to have people. Like, some people are like, I'm not a people person. You actually are. Everybody's a people person. Like, you can't avoid that. <laughs> um, well, and, you know, Emily, that's why I talk about my, at least my mantra around Resilience is mind, body, tribe, and why? Because that's that's part of the human condition. That social connection is what we all need. And that's a choice. One, to, to be around people, but also a choice to be around the right people, right? Because if we choose to see the good, mm-hmm. we'll always see the good. If we choose to see the bad, that's all we're going to see. So surrounding yourself with people that have an abundance mindset, that have a growth mindset, and are really looking to positively impact their environment is part of that resilient lifestyle. Yeah, and I always equate it back to like a a football game. Like you wouldn't have a ref call the game at the top of the stands, like in the in the nosebleed section, they cannot see what is happening on the field. So you need to have people that are close. And then there's this common saying, too, and I'd love to get your feedback on it because it's it's kind of my frustrating thing. People people want to be around like minded people. I rather have like hearted people, because if we all think the same, we're all probably going to do the same and we won't really be bettering ourselves as much. So I think that's the thing, too, about how do you pick your your people, the people that you know that will help you, guide you along. And, you know, when you have to ask for help, that they're going to be there. I mean, part of it is intuition. Mm-hmm. Um, you you kind of know. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, after a while, you're really going to know. And so at first it's, it's intuition, but I think at, at the base of it all, Emily, it's, it's values. Do you value the same thing? Do you, do you prioritize the same thing? And do you expect the same thing in terms of attitude, effort, and, and work ethic? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you don't have to think the same way, but you have to have similar mindsets. And, um, you know, I look at some of the mastermind groups that I'm a part of and whether it's uh, the Iron Sharpens Iron Mastermind, whether it's the Seek Wisdom Mastermind or the Columbia Executive Coaching Mastermind, or I'm also in another mastermind for Service Academy grads. Um, And it's being with people who are really aligned in terms of mindset and values and, and expectations. 
And, you know, I, I know I said it earlier, but, you know, a rising tide absolutely raises all boats. So you can, and again, it's a choice. You can, you can decide who you want to be part of your team. And uh, that team, you know, and I, I talked about it this morning, uh, you know, life is a team sport and you talked about football, but life is also a contact sport, right? Mm -hmm. So it's contact with people, but it's also contact with life. And mm -hmm. you decided it, right? We're going to get knocked down. We are absolutely going to get knocked down. But it's up to us to make that choice each and every time to stand back up. Mm -hmm. And when it's hard to stand back up, that's when your team is that much more important. And that's why you can't be sorry for asking for help. Oh, I love that. And I think that transitions, I know we're right near our ending time, but I think that transitions perfectly into my two-part final question. First part, what advice would you give to somebody that, I don't know if people may apologize for asking for help, but moreover, um, scared to ask for help. They're scared to ask that first time because either their pride or the worst case scenario keeps popping in their head. What would you tell them? Stop being selfish. Yeah, and what do that's I mean true. Most people, at least that I've been around, absolutely help others and provide others with the support that they need. But they're afraid to ask for help. Well, I was lucky enough to have a friend point out that I was being selfish. And of course, I was like, how dare you? Um, how dare you say that I'm selfish? And they said, well, how do you feel when you get the opportunity to, to support somebody in their professional or personal journey? I said, it feels pretty good. And you are actually not giving someone else that same opportunity. So the first one is stop being selfish mm. and allow people, the people who matter to you to provide that support. And the other one is if you want to get from where you're at to where you want to go, you can't do it alone. No one climbs Mount Everest by themselves. And, but you've got to decide who you want to climb that mountain with hmm. and make so sure well. that they share the same values that you do and they have the same expectations that you do. So powerful and so true on all of that. Um, and I can see it in my life and I've, I'm getting better at it, at asking uh, for help. But I know the power of people and how much it has helped me in my success. And as I always say, we're all like puzzle pieces. Just we're just one puzzle. We're just one piece away, like getting all connected correctly. Yeah. So um, the second part of the final question is people love what you've said and they want to reach out to you or they want to learn more about your book. How can they do that? Transitiononpurpose.com. There you go. And uh, there, there's a connect form on there and uh, we'll absolutely connect. Uh, and uh, or you can send me an email. It's just Dennis.Volpe at LRI.com. 
Awesome. Well, I appreciate you so much for having this great conversation with me today. And I uh, am so blessed for all the people that listen in and will listen to come. I hope you all have an amazing and blessed day. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Unapologetically Bold. I'm not sorry for if this touched you in any way, please like and subscribe and share with your friends as we continue the message of being unapologetically bold by being hot humans who are humble, open, and transparent. See you next time.